Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, the Cougars make it a happy homecoming by taking care of Texas Tech. Now it's a date in the Lone Star State with the 7th-ranked Longhorns. And we're previewing the trip to Texas with Kalani and defensive lineman Jackson Cravens. Next on BYU TV and ESPN+. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Health, official medical provider of BYU Athletics. Wow. What a wonderful welcome. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. We welcome you back inside the BYU Broadcasting Building on the BYU campus in Provo, Utah, for our Week 8 edition of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. We are live and on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps and on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. For those watching live, we invite you to take part in our live polls via the Opine app. Get the app on your phone, then watch the side of the screen for poll questions throughout the broadcast or take part through social media using the hashtag Sitake Show. Coming up on tonight's show, we will look back on a Saturday night triumph over Texas Tech and preview BYU at Texas this weekend in Austin. Deep Blue will profile new defensive coordinator Jay Hill. Defensive lineman Jackson Cravens will be our in-studio guest. We'll have a mini game show segment with Jackson and Kalani combining. We'll dig into some social media Q&A, have a BYU football trivia question, and reveal this weekend's uniform combination for the Texas game. Let's kick off tonight's festivities by welcoming into Studio C the man who, as a BYU player, hosted Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian during his recruiting trip to Provo. Let's say hello to the head coach of your BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake. Thank you. All right. And a hand for Hazel Haymuli, tonight's lay girl. Good job, Hazel. What a great crowd. Yeah, good crowd, good looking crowd. Thank you guys for being here. So I introduced you by saying, once upon a time, you helped host Steve Sarkeesian and his recruiting trip to BYU, and he was a player for the Cougs. That's yeah, true. Yeah, my good friend and uh, a dynamic coach, and he's doing a great job. I mean, he's he's been he's done he's been so many different places and done so many things as a as a, a you know uh, playing calls on uh, calling plays as an offensive. Uh, uh, guru, and uh, you look at the things that he's done in his career. And throughout that whole process, he's be, always been good enough to keep in touch with me and, and reach out to me uh, quite often. And so, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and, and uh, looking forward to seeing him in, in this matchup. But I'm looking forward to seeing the guys compete more than anything. But isn't it crazy to think about the fact uh, that that, <coughs> that many years ago you, you met an, in, under one setting, and here you are meeting in an entirely different setting, but still involved with the sport that you guys love. Yeah, and, and we still talk about Lavelle uh, often, you know, and so it, it's the uh, the legacy of Lavelle still lives on and, and all the, the people that he's mentored in, in the coaching profession, but also in, in, in so many different parts of life, you see uh, Lavelle's uh, influence around there. So, and you see it in football, you see what, what's been going on. And I mean, there, there's some concepts that he's doing uh, offensively that me and A-Rod recognize, and we're like, hey, that's that's our old play that we, I mean, we call it different things now, but, uh, and you see a lot of teams doing it, and, and so we know how they teach it, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun, because he knows, he knows a lot about us too, so I think the matchup's gonna be exciting, but um, they're, they're really quality, just so, just so much uh, talent and quality coaching. Uh, they have a great coaching staff that does a great job getting the guys re ready, and, um, and so we see it on film. It's gonna be a, a difficult matchup, but I think it's gonna bring out the best in us. 
We'll talk more about Texas coming up <coughs> in a bit. Uh, you come into this week at 5-2 and two on the year. Win number five came this past weekend, and it came after 22 days away from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It was great to be back in the building, wasn't it? Yeah, it's great to be back home and, and to have, I mean, after the, the, the disappointing performance with, with TCU, we knew that we had to get back on it, and it was great to have that game at home and, and in front of our crowd and feeling the energy from them and, and having the guys be able to respond. I think it was such a good momentum builder for us. Is, is that the right time? Homecoming, all that, all that fun stuff. And uh, now we're going to have to generate some energy and excitement on, on, on our own, uh, being on the road. And, and I, th I think our guys are ready for that, the, uh, ready for that opportunity, you know, especially since we didn't do it uh, the right last time. So uh, I think, you know, from today's practice and the prep that we've had over the weekend, I feel really good about where we're at. And you got a great bounce back, too, last week. It showed how resilient your team uh, is right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the guys are always, there's no quitting them. So they'll, they'll, they'll fight to the end and, and, um, and they'll play hard to the end. We can count on that. And so for, for me as a head coach, I love having that to, to bank on, you know. And um, I just need to get these guys in the right position so they can have success more often and do it throughout the entire game. That's, that's our goal, have our guys play our best game. Uh, this is a great time to do it this weekend. The Big 12 season can be a roller coaster. The week before, TCU <coughs> was riding high and you were looking to bounce back. And then the next week, TCU uh, goes on the road and takes a big loss while you recover and, and beat Texas Tech. And week to week, it's hard to tell what's going to happen in this league. Yeah, it's unpredictable. And, and, and uh, guys, that, that, that uh, you, you don't know how, how it's going to go. It's hard to predict what's going to happen at the end. But uh, I think that works out in our favor. So we'll see if we can add to the chaos and to the mess. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, let's look back at what happened Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU and Texas Tech meeting for the first time in 83 years and the first time ever in Provo. In fact, it was the Red Raiders' first ever trip to the Beehive State for football. Highlights and stats are presented by Smarty. First drive of the game, touchdown for BYU. And BYU Kalani's now on a 30-game win streak when you just score a touchdown on your opening drive. So keep doing that. And uh, it was Keaton Slovis to Chase Roberts, and then a nice fumble recovery, turnover on downs, and then you get to score on defense. Also a good indicator of success when you're scoring with your defensive guys. Yeah, I mean, the, the mistakes happen, and, and uh, uh, you know we've had that work against us before, and then this, this one works in our favor. This would get to Texas Tech back in the game, taking a 14-0 lead to 14-7. Mistake and a missed assignment. That, that was a uncharacteristic of our team. Now, that was not a mistake. That's Darius Lasseter with one of the catches of the year in college football. Yeah, beautiful catch. And, uh, yeah, just glad we have athletic guys and catch the ball. Darius helped get you down there, and Darius gets the payoff with his fourth touchdown catch. He had a two-score two lead again. And then Eddie Heckard with his 10th career pick in this one. Yeah, great, great play by uh, Crew to get the tip and, and uh, the guys. I mean, you have to give Texas Tech a lot of credit. They were there getting a lot of yards, and uh, we just had we knew that we just had to take advantage of opportunities when they come our way and uh, way we get some turnovers. And I thought it was a really good first half. Yeah, that's the way the first half ended. That was the final play of the first half. Actually, Jacob Robinson went going out of bounds. His fourth pick of the year. We go to the second half, and. Uh, Ryan Rico did an excellent job booting the ball, and, and sometimes he found himself uh, finishing off the play like we see here. Yeah, Tyler great Batty center. knocks the ball loose. And Batty just comes with a lot of violence and <laughs> gets that ball out. And then uh, I think we got to teach Rico how to f recover a fumble without <laughs> laying on your, getting your helmet knocked off. And you know, it was nice to get, get, get some points out of that, but just like to see us get more than what we did in the, first, in the second half. Yeah, the last score of the night would be a courtesy of uh, Taj Brooks. 
from Texas Tech, but then BYU would help uh, snuff out their final chance. Ethan Slade gets his first career interception. A three-pick, five-takeaway night for BYU as the Cougars win this one by a final score of 27-14. to 14. Take a look at our final stats. And, of course, the number that jumps out is the minus five for Texas Tech, the plus five for BYU in the giveaway takeaway margin. Yeah, and, and, and you just find ways to win. And then this one, be a little bit more disciplined and, and get less uh, you know, get less turnovers and um, take care of the ball, but also be disciplined and not getting given yourself a, in trouble with penalties. I think one of the penalties we we was a delay game that we took on purpose. But uh, just like the way our team is thinking and the way they're playing, we talked about it before. Just consistency, and if we can just play like we did the first half the entire game, then, then that's the goal. And hopefully we can get that done this weekend. You probably you probably feel like your best football remains ahead of you because you feel you've got a lot of things to clean up, but here you are sitting at five wins. Yeah, and I, and I, I just know we're better than what we've been playing like. And, and I keep harping on it because we want to get there, you know, and we, we saw flashes of it the, the first um, first few games. And then you see uh, in this first half what we can get done. And, and that they didn't come. I mean, the game has mistakes. There's mistakes all over the place. We gave up. A big play on on a, on a mistake, and um, even even their their second score came when we had opportunities to get interceptions and we didn't capitalize on the ball in our hands. So uh, it's it's tough to lo- learn those lessons, but it's a lot easier to learn them when you get a win. And, and uh, sometimes the stat, all that matters is, is the score. And I, I know a lot of people want to see improvement. We're, we're getting there, and we, as long as we keep learning and getting better. I, I know physically we can match up and that's a good sign for us. It is a good sign. Let's get to our <coughs> schedule check presented also by Smarty as BYU is now seven games through a 12 game regular season slate. We'll hit the two thirds mark this weekend at Austin with BYU taking on the seventh ranked Longhorns. You see that all the Texas Big 12 teams are in that middle column in the month of October and then it'll be a four game November. But the Texas heavy month concludes this Saturday in Austin and then it'll be Back east, home for a couple of games, and then finishing back in the Sooner State. That's the first Big 12 schedule for BYU. And you are in the middle of the pack in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, I think we're in a good spot. I mean, um, I think I, all we got to worry about is the next game, and that's the most important game for us is getting to Austin, making sure that we're ready to go and um, minimize those mistakes, but learn from the mistakes that we made from game, you know, the last game, the, maybe the games before. I, I think if you look at it, where we are getting better in a lot of different areas, uh, from my perspective, I'm seeing it. I know our coaches are seeing it too. So I'm really excited about what's going to happen this weekend. Where have you seen the improvement most recently? Well, I think the physical part of the game was really important for us in the run game on offense. We were able to run the ball a little bit more. 150 um, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And against a really good team that can that, that's stout, um, we were able to get, I think for most part, we were assignment sound in the run game. And then defensively, we were able to um, stuff the run a little bit against one of the best running backs in the country. You yeah. know, so uh, it doesn't get any easier because we're going against Texas. They have tons of talent. They can do a lot of great things with the ball in their hands and they, they have a physical defense too. So, but it'll be, it'll be nice that we have that to bank on what we've done in, in the past game and know that we can do it again. Well, one of the keys to BYU's 5-2 and two record has been winning the field position battle. And one of the main reasons BYU is coming up on the right side of that stat is the work of punter Ryan Rico, who tonight takes us inside another big night booting the ball as he joins our Jerem Jordan inside the film room. All right, Ryan. Huge, uh, huge win against Texas Tech. Not often do people want to break down uh, punter film, but I do. You know I'm a huge fan of oh, yours. Yeah, we love it. So let's talk about your season high 70 yarder. I had this one 81 off your foot to the catch. 
81, dude. Like, yeah. What, are, what in the world? <laughs> when did you first become like, I love punting, this is what I want to do with my life? Oh man, I played soccer and basketball growing up. And so obviously you kind of developed the leg with the, with the soccer and everything. And older brother, he kind of took the same route in high school, started kicking. And like the little brother in me, I'm just like, shoot, if he can do it, I can do it. So <laughs> yeah, just uh, just started kind of following in his footsteps. And um, yeah, it's, it's led me to where I am today. And it was a, definitely a great choice. Okay, when do you know a punt is gonna be a, a boomer? Pretty much right off the foot. Like, I mean, you can kind of tell even once you're getting into it, like with your drop and everything. So right there, just kind of getting the, the feet set, get that ball out. And right there, you're like, oh yeah, I crush it. Yeah, probably right about there. That's when it's like, <laughs> you can kind of see it and it just keeps getting further and further. You're like, okay, yeah, I got a hold of that one. And uh, man, that returner, he was giving us problems all day long. Did a great job. And then uh, coverage team does a great job of kind of netting the field, getting back. And we, we flipped the field on that one. So it was, it was a good time. Big return, but the net punting goal of 42 was reached. Which yes. is wild. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the nuance of sort of out kicking the coverage versus hang time and what you what you want out of that play? Yeah. Ideally, you want about um, a second of hang time for every 10 yards. So if you're hitting a 50 yard ball, ideally it'd be a five second hang time. What's your personal best in hang time? In a game or not? Uh, in practice, I would say like a five eight seven. A five eight seven. Yeah. That is a lot of hang time. It was a lot, yeah. Like, yeah. My, like that gives Marcus McKenzie two laps. Yeah, right. right. He'd be yeah. down there twice. Marcus would be having lunch with the returner by then. <laughs> he would he would be having a field day. Okay, this is the fumble recovery for you, which you've had some great plays at BYU, but this has got to be up there, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, this one is this is kind of one that like you hope happens, but you never really think it is. And uh, I mean, we just punted right before this, got a penalty, and normally the teams would like, oh, we'll just add the yards on the end of the kick, but they wanted us to to replay it. Which was huge. Yeah, which was huge, because that's their mistake. We end up getting three points out of this. But yeah, so get it just inside the 10. Inside the 10's our, our goal on every kind of pin punt, we call it. Um, but again, they, they did a great job of blocking up. And after that, it's just like, okay, everybody go make a play on the ball. Batty comes flying through, cracks the dude. Talk to me about your recovery on this. Yeah. Because it's you kind of catch the ball and then like sit back. Yeah, it was literally like, so we kick it, I'm like, okay, I gotta go try and get there. And this guy kind of pushes me into the perfect place. Cause then the <laughs> ball comes popping back out. And like, at this point it's like slow motion. It's like, there's no way it's gonna come to me right now. And uh, yeah, see the ball, not my most graceful pickup. And it's literally just, <laughs> just grab the ball, get just, down. Just get it. And then yeah, I got the nice little field position afterwards. Just try and protect it. <laughs> Get the guys off me, and uh, yeah, I really didn't know what to do with myself after that. I think I had the ball for like another minute or two afterwards. I was gonna say, you held onto the ball, they cut away to the sideline, you still had the ball, I was like, yeah. is this like the NFL? Like, you yeah. gonna keep it? Like, what are we doing here? No, yeah, I was like, where's our ball? Like, where's our equipment guys? I gotta give it to them. Like, they're gonna use this in the next drive probably, but yeah, definitely just a, a cool moment for sure. And yeah, I mean, what am I doing getting down there? <laughs> It looks like so bad. My brother gave me so much crap for it too. But uh, yeah, we got the ball. That's the that's the main part. How about three punts where you guys get a takeaway this year? And Austin Riggs gets one. Marcus yep. gets one. Like that is it's rare to get one. You have three. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think that just is a, a testament to our coverage team. I think 
they do a great job of um, just, they want the ball back. Like, I think everybody in this team is playing for the other side of the ball, whether it's offense, defense, special teams. And man, guys are just making plays. They're playing their hearts out. And uh, obviously three takeaways on fine. Like, we'll, we'll definitely live with that. Okay, big time game at Texas, obviously. And BYU rolls in five and two. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling about the opportunity that is to play at Texas in, let's be honest, this might be the last ever meeting with Texas. Who knows in the SEC yeah. if they would want to play a game like BYU. For sure. And BYU's got some good history there. It's definitely like, in terms of atmospheres, um, just like storylines and everything that's happened in the past, you can't help but be excited for it. So I know everybody's gonna, we're gonna have a lot of energy going out there. Um, and yeah, man, it, it's gonna be a fun time for sure. Well, congrats on the success so far and good luck against Texas. Thank you. What a luxury to have a punter as good and productive as, uh, as Ryan Rico and as fun a guy as he is on, off the field, a uh, great player for BYU. Yeah, it's such a weapon for us. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I like to go for it on fourth down quite a bit, but I think but, but in, his, in his hands or in, on his leg, he's able to flip the, the field for us quite often. And uh, we're able to play better defense because of it and, and even getting some turnovers. So that's uh, a huge part of our, our team. He's a great leader for us and love, love having Rico on our team. He averaged over 50 yards a kick on, on Saturday. His season average is now up to 49.1. Almost half his kicks, 21 of 43, have gone more than 50 yards this year. Yeah, and, and he, I mean, he, he does this all the time in practice, and so we've seen him kick really far. And that one, it was an amazing catch by the returner. Uh, I think if, I mean, that, that's a hard thing to do is catch the ball over your shoulder, a punt. Um, but but he, if he can kick it away from the returner, and, then, then I'm okay with him out kicking the coverage. It's more about, uh, and even after the return, we still got a, a good net gain. But um, he, he's, he's just, when you have a guy with that strong of a leg and then he has a good touch to put it inside the 10, um, it's a huge weapon for us. It helps that his, that his brother was a kicker and, and, and kicked in the NFL too. If, uh, if Miles Price <coughs> hadn't made that, that catch, the over-the-shoulder catch, likely goes into the end zone, and if it does, I think it would have chalked up at around 84, which would have been a new BYU record. He has the current record at 83, so this is not unusual for Ryan at all <laughs> to get that kind of leg into it. Yes, but coming up this weekend in Austin is BYU in seventh-ranked Texas. For the sixth time all-time, BYU owns a 4-1 and one record against Texas, including wins in both 2013 and 2014 when Taysom Hill took it to Texas and almost single-handedly won both of those games. Another backup quarterback situation comes your way. Third straight reserve quarterback you're going to face as it went from uh, Josh Hoover with TCU to Jake Strong with Texas Tech, and now it looks like Malik Murphy will be in place of, uh, of Quinn Ewers this weekend in Austin. Yeah, really good player. I mean, we, we, we know that they have tons of depth and talent on their team, and so uh, I, I don't know what to expect. We have, we have to be ready for, for, uh, for Quinn Ewers because you just never know the uh, way things can happen. And he's got tons of experience, so if he's healthy and ready to go, I believe Sarkin said that he'd be a, a game-time decision, but. Uh, the, the backup and, and third string, those guys are amazing players. So they, they have great talent on their team. Uh, I think the focus for us is more than anything, just make sure we're assignment sound, that we're using proper technique and fundamentals. Malik Murphy and uh, Arch <coughs> Manning would be two and three behind Quinn Ewers. Uh, you talk about the great running backs in the Big 12. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is the new Big 12 rushing leader. You get him this week after Taj Brooks last week. Yeah, and, and, and you have to give credit to their old line, tight ends that can block. And so the, uh, I think they're, they're dangerous. They can, they're, there's not a lot of weaknesses on their team. Uh, they, can, they can rely on, on a sound run game if they need it. And they have all the talent in the world in, 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 the, uh, 
with the receivers and, and the skill positions too. During our coordinator's corner broadcast yesterday, A-Rod said that it's one of the best D lines that he's seen in, in a quarter century of coaching. True. I mean, they're big and strong and get after the quarterback. They can stuff the run. So uh, we'll just have to, I mean, we've, we've gone against some really good teams before, some great talent. Uh, it's a, I don't, I'm not going to make any statements other than it's a great challenge for our guys. And they see the film, they see how good they are. And, they know they're going to have to be at their best. And so that's why I'm really excited for, for this game happening. You called Steve Sarkeesian an offensive guru uh, a little while ago. What defines the offensive style of Steve Sarkeesian? Well, you, <clears throat> you talk to anybody that played quarterback here, it doesn't matter if they started or had a great career or were a backup. Anybody in that room were able to, to listen to how that, that offense, how the, the pass game evolved uh, from, from when Lavelle was the head coach. And, and you look at what, what teams are doing nowadays. I mean, it, it wasn't... Uh, I think all the old timers would know when, when we watched BYU football, got used to us being in the shotgun, and now everybody does it. So the times have changed where I think the, uh, the, the scheme now is a little bit more favorable towards what we did back in the day, and, and uh, Sark knows it all. And, and he's been able to go in different places. He's been, you know, in Alabama and other places, and SC, and so he's been able to establish the, the idea of the run game, too. So not only is he, a, is he an expert at the pass game, but now he. he uh, complements that with a, with a solid run game. BYU and UT Saturday as we break. <coughs> a reminder that for your Cougar Sports play-by-play, day-to-day, watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, defensive lineman Jackson Cravens will join us in studio, and Deep Blue will profile defensive coordinator Jay Hill. And BYU football, the line top day continues. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. And Smarty, location data experts. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Well, it may not be a traditional meet-cute story, but uh, new BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill met his wife Sarah by picking her up as she was hitchhiking. Together, they have traveled life's road together, being led by faith as they overcome the doubts of others and a battle with cancer. This is Deep Blue featuring Jay Hill. I went to college basically to hopefully earn a scholarship, I played college football just for the experience. I mean, what else are you gonna do? It seemed like a good way to meet girls or something like that. It was a cold winter night and my friend had come to visit me and we were um, headed to a basketball game and it was freezing cold. We were walking and so we stuck out our thumbs and Jay picked us up hitchhiking. I always joked with them that when I moved to college, oh, don't worry, I won't meet anyone hitchhiking. I won't get into any stranger's car like you guys did. Who meets their spouse hitchhiking? Like, it's just such a unique, funny story, but it's perfect to them. Jay Hill and I started coaching in college at the same time. He just had finished playing at the University of Utah. He spent some time with the Buffalo Bills, got released, so he came back to University of Utah. So Jay coached at the University of Utah for 13 seasons and was a graduate assistant under Coach McBride and Coach Meyer. When Coach Whittingham became the head coach, he hired Jay as a 
full-time coach, and that was his first full-time position. And we owe a lot to Coach Whittingham for that opportunity. God puts weird things in your, in your path, and we just really embrace those opportunities. And once you take them, you gotta make the best of them because you can't now look back and say, oh, I screwed up. I think one thing I have always really admired about my dad is how much of a spiritual guy he is and how much of a relationship he has with his Heavenly Father. Because in every decision he's made, whether that's in football or just in life in general, he is so conscious to take into account the personal revelation that he receives. And every decision that he's made is completely guided by the Lord. So Jay saw an opportunity and Weber State was looking for a, a head coach it was a significant pay cut. It didn't make sense on paper. A lot of people um, wondered if he was committing career suicide by taking, going from the F, uh, FBS level to FCS level. But we could not deny that it was the right next step. And we took over this team thinking we were gonna be one year wonders and we were gonna flip it around and we were gonna be great. And when we got into it, there was a lot more to that program than I originally knew and anticipated. There was some academic issues going on. There were some team culture issues going on. I was the fourth head coach in four years and they weren't winning, but got behind it and went there. And bottom line, first year was not good. Started 0-9. I was in my office late one night and Sarah had been talking about for like six months that she had had some pain in her her pectoral area, and it just wasn't getting better. And they, they attributed it to a torn pec when she was doing CrossFit. But it wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better. So anyway, she went for a biopsy just to make sure that nothing was there. I show up often to his office, but I don't show up late nights uh, during fall camp. And I shut the door behind me, and he knew something was wrong. So we talked for 10 or 15 minutes, and then I remember vividly walking into the staff room because all my coaches were waiting in the room next door because we were going to talk about practice for the following day. And he said, well, can we move it here? And they're like, no, we got to do this and this. He's like, well, can we move it here? Well, we got to do this and this. And, and it just wasn't working for him to quietly just move things around and slip out and go to this appointment. So he finally had to say, close the door. And he got very emotional and said, Guys, Sarah was diagnosed with, with cancer. Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was stage four, and we have doctor's appointments. And it's a tribute to him for creating a staff that can run on their own. And they said, you go, we've got this handled. Those were difficult times. And you could just see slowly that from treatment to treatment to treatment, it was just starting to take its toll on her physically on her health, she lost her hair, and she was just an absolute warrior. I will say the football side of things got difficult because I mentioned before we were playing Utah State, we thought we were gonna win. We went up there and played horrible and got cremated our first game. And then the next week we rebound and we're up 21 nothing in the first quarter against South Dakota. And then they come roaring back, tie the game right at the end of the game and we lose in overtime. So now it's you got, your wife has cancer, you're 0-2, and, and you're at a real 
dilemma in life as to what, how you're gonna handle it. I remember one morning I was in my office super early all by myself and I came across a thing, it's called The Strangest Secret. I listened to it and it basically said, you gotta trust God, you gotta come up with a goal that you really wanna obtain and then you're gonna write down 20 things every day that you're gonna do to, uh, to reach these goals. I was gonna live my life in a way that God was gonna be happy with the way I was living it so that he could bless my wife because I couldn't heal her cancer. And then the second goal was we were gonna make it to the FCS playoffs. When you talk about true love, that's what I see in my parents. That was very apparent when my mom was going through cancer. I mean, from my dad going to her chemo treatments to him going and visiting her during her bone marrow transplant, to my mom coming to every single one of his games and to being there in the stands cheering him on. And that's what's so beautiful about a marriage is you can go through the same thing in the same house with the same people around you, but have two completely different experiences. And it was beautiful to watch him grow through what we were going through. It's just the clarity that kicked in and the things that started to occur. We win our next three games and we're on a path to really playing good. And by the end of the season, we make it to the FCS playoffs and Sarah gets through her treatments and it was one of those tender mercies you see in life again. You'd like to not have any resistance or adversity along the way, but when that happens, you want to circle the wagons. And it was cool to see him be able to do that by example. It was something that taught me a lesson that no matter what goes on in your life, you can have that work-family balance. He loves his family, they are his number one priority, and he just happens to be a heck of a football coach as well. I feel so grateful every day that I get to not only learn from his example, but my mom's too, because they truly are the perfect pair and the best parents that anyone could ask for. What are your feelings as you uh, go through that experience of viewing oh, yeah. his story? You knew his story better than anybody, but to see yeah, that. Well, we, we were hired at the same time uh, by Kyle, and, and so we, we grew together for a decade there at Utah and worked together. And so I know my family knows his family really well, and he's, I consider him one of my best friends. And so to see him go through all that and, and now to have him here with me, it's, it's such a huge blessing. And I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that I get the benefit from that and that I our, our, hope our fans appreciate uh, the type of person that he is, that he's a great coach, but. Uh, it's really cool to see him and, and Sarah be able to be here dressed up in blue, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, ready to make some memories. And they've done amazing things for us. And it's not just what they do on the football field. It's, it's really cool to, to be a part of his life. We're blessed to have him and his family here with us for sure. Well, our Sitaki Show studio guest tonight is back in his own backyard. Six years after graduating from Timpview High School before playing for two other FBS programs, then transferring into his hometown school. His playing journey is paying off with one final season as a BYU Cougar. Please welcome into Studio C, defensive lineman Jackson Craven. Good to see you. How are you? Too. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How, how do you describe the route you took to end up at BYU? Man, too long. I wish I could have. <laughs> I could have been at BYU from the start, but uh, I wouldn't change any of it. Uh, I think uh, it was all meant to be, and I'm glad that I get to uh, play my last year here. So, 
Well, take us back to uh, finishing at Tempview and where you, what took you from where you ended up to there. So I graduated from Tempview in 2018, and then I went to the University of Utah for a year. And then I transferred to Boise State uh, for four years, and then got in the portal, and I'm here now for my uh, grad year. So The Craven's family football tree uh, has a lot of branches. Yep. Um, can you take us through the connections you've got to the different football uh, outposts, if you will? Uh, so... Uh, my dad and all of them, they actually were basketball players, but uh, all, the, all the grandchildren of the Cravens family chose football. Uh, my cousin Sua, uh, he played at USC. Uh, that's my first cousin. And then my cousin Jordan, he played at USC as well. Jordan Cameron. Jordan Cameron, yeah. And then they went on to play in the NFL. Um, there's Colby Cameron, Jordan's little brother. He played quarterback at Louisiana Tech. And then all my girl cousins, uh, a lot of them played at USC. Um, one went to a school in, uh, where was it, uh, Texas. So, yeah, just lots of, lots of different athletes in the family, but girl and boy. So Okay, the first picture we saw there had Kyle Whittingham in it. Now, what's the connection there? So that's my uncle on my mom's side. My mom's a Whittingham. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, Kalani, you smile as you see all this. There, there's a lot going yeah. on in the Cravens family. I've known this guy his whole life. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, from his Polynesian roots on his dad's side to the Whittingham side, and um, so I've seen him, and, and he's right. He's got a lot of talent uh, on both sides of the family, but I see. I remember him running around, and if you think he's tough, you should see all the girls in, in the family. <laughs> They're tough too, the cousins and the sisters. But um, yeah, his his. Um, Mom and dad are amazing people, and and I'm glad that he's here. I've always I've always been cheering for him uh, for his success. We've been when we played against Boise, I'd see him all the time midfield. We'd hug it, but I I just remember him as a young kid, you know, just just smacking people, and and uh, it I, it just worked out that eventually you know he was able to graduate and decide to enter the portal, and then here we are. So I, I will. I would have taken him a long time ago too, yeah. but but uh, I'm glad that he's here now and he's done a great job for us. And as far as a great leader, but he makes big time plays too. And you, you a lot of times the D tackles don't get a lot of attention, but um, he, he's 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 the guy in the front making a difference. And uh, I think he's been a big big part of our our defense having success and creating havoc. And he's doing a great job for himself. And the scouts like like what they see from him. There's a bit of a Boise State migration to BYU this past offseason. Coach Papinga, yourself, Isaiah Banya, Will Farron, a bunch of you guys came down. Yeah, uh, I think it definitely wasn't planned, but it kind of just <laughs> it kind of just happened like that, and it was actually just so crazy that we all ended up at BYU, and I know they're loving it too. So it's been awesome. You getting your most out of this one year here as a Cougar? Oh yeah. Your thoughts on life in the Big 12 to this point? Uh, it's been awesome. It's such a competitive league. Uh, I think I said yesterday, it's uh, in my interview, it's uh, every week someone's, everyone's really good. And uh, I don't know, I, I like that. I feel like I play better uh, against better opponents. So Defensive tackles don't always rack up the gaudiest stats. What tells you, what tells your coaches that you're doing your job right? Uh, playing double teams uh, so the backers can come free and then making plays when it's my turn. Uh, it's really helping the rest of the defense and making plays on my own. It's kind of a combination of that, so. Okay, your jersey number is 91? Yes, sir. Uh, why is it 91? 
Uh, well, Some guys say I just got it handed yeah. to me. Some guys want it. So how was it for you? So John Nelson was 94. I was 94 at Boise, and John Nelson's 94 here. And I was like, you know what? Uh, this is new me. I'm gonna change it. And I thought 91 was the the coolest next 90s number. So I went with that. I like that. Good explanation. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we'll have uh, we'll have some fun and games with uh, Kalani and Jackson Cravens when BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. Come back with us. We always take part of our show and turn it into game night. Kalani loves this part of the program. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to play the headphone challenge tonight. Now, here's how it works. Kalani and Jackson will take turns wearing these here headphones, which will be playing Hema's music loudly enough in their ears that the person won't be able to hear what the other is saying. That's the plan, at least. The speaker will say words or phrase, and the person wearing the headphones has to guess what that word or phrase is without even hearing it. Whoever guesses the most correctly wins. And tonight, most of these words or phrases have something to do with something to do with Jackson Cravens, one way or the other. Okay? And we're going to have Jackson be the first one to guess. So, Jackson, the headphones are yours. All right. And Kalani has to say... I can hear it. Travis Scott, is that what you're listening to? Okay, you have to, that, that, that's, that's what you've got to say, the top one there. I can say it out loud. You can say it okay. out loud. Sua Cravens. Sua Cravens. Wow. That's... You listen to sickle mode, huh? Yeah. yeah, I can tell. <laughs> okay, was the, uh, was, was the music loud enough that... Uh... Yeah. Okay, good. No, it was loud enough. All right. <laughs> the second one. That's for okay. you. <laughs> Billy? Uh, no? You can say it louder, Jackson. Malia Tuha. It's, it's like you're saying Billy Tuha. <laughs> what is that? Malia. Billy? No, not Billy. Malia. Malia. I don't, I'm liking the song and I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> this is English, right? I think his is louder than mine was. Malia. Malia. Guys, I'm not going to get right. this one. Okay. Take the headphones off. Tell them what you were saying, Jackson. Malia Tuha. Oh, I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tuha family. No. Okay. This next... Billy okay. I'm not, I'm not going to show you. I'm going to tell you. Bad. Okay. I'm going to tell you. Smurf turf. Smurf turf. Oh, there's no way he's going to get that. Well, let's see. <clears throat> you can say can't it loudly. Actions, I can't do that, huh? Smurf turf. Smurf turf. <laughs> I don't know how you can say that any differently. Like Smurf. Smurf turf. Turf. <laughs> He's good at this. You're just gonna What song was it? What song was it? The same or some other Mine Drake. Mine was Dr. Dre. Yeah, some other Drake. Alright, okay. Okay, DJ Hamuli, let's go. Cooper Tail. Okay. Cooper Tail. I just gotta tune out the, the song. Okay. okay. Cougar tail. Cougar tail. <laughs> Say it again. Cougar tail. Yeah. One more time. Cougar, Cougar tail. 
Like, I, it's, say it again. Like, syllables, like, because it sounds like you're saying something that I. Say it again. Cougar. Cool. Coo. It's not. Cougar. Course? There's no way. Okay, say it again. Cougar. Cougar. Tail. Cougar tails. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm sorry I said that other one. That's embarrassing. That's why you don't do this game with me, guys. This is, let this be a lesson. All no right. more. Okay, headsets on. All right. Okay, I got you. Okay. Okay. Tim View High School. High School. Temp View. Temp View High School. Oh, we both went to Temp View. That works. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we're still doing this. <laughs> Rise and shout. Okay. Rise and shout. Rise and shout. Fries. <laughs> hold, hold on. It's one more time. One more time. Rise. Rice. Rice. Rise. Rice. Okay, food. No. Rice. <laughs> rice. Like, what? Like rise. Rise and shout. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. That did look like rice, right? <laughs> like, you can tell I'm hungry. You got food on the mind. <laughs> Not thirsty, it. though. That was yeah. a different one. Okay, you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, gosh. He's not going to know that one. He, maybe he won't. There's no way. Satake Road. See? <laughs> not eating my ice cream, guys. It's messed up. You got you to you promote the ice cream more. Okay. Satake Road. Satake? Road? Road. Say the start again. Satake Road. <laughs> Sitake? <laughs> Road. Kalani. Road. Like, like, oh, oh, like. Uh, Kalani Road? No, I'm just kidding. No, Sitake Road. He had it. He's close. Yeah. Why did he say Kalani? One more time. Sitake Road. Okay, I can't get the first headset one. Off. Okay, headset off. Jackson, take him off. Yeah, yeah. It's his, it's his ice cream flavor here at BYU, Sitake Road. Oh. Sitake Road is the name of the I ice cream. I still haven't had that yet. Yeah, so. well. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't had that. Okay, our last oh, yeah. one. Oh, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna one. stop doing this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. L, no, no. LaBelle Edwards Stadium. One more time. This is a long one. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna do the short version, but no. I'll be cheating. All right. Wait, Look. wait, wait. Start now. Okay. <laughs> LaBelle Edwards Stadium. LaBelle Edwards Stadium. There we go. Yeah. That's a good song. Wow. Come on, send that song to me, will you? Text it to me. Yeah, I was stressed out that whole time. That was wild. I wasn't even playing. Good job. That. Nice work, boys. After this break, social media Q&A for the coach and Jackson. We'll have some BYU football trivia, too. And BYU football, Kalani Sitake returns. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Health 
official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in partnership with the San Bernardino International Airport. And Ken Garth, we hear you. Okay, we've got Kalani, we've got Jackson Cravens. Jackson, you have uh, a healthy section of supporters with you in the stands tonight. Who do you bring in? So I got mom, dad, uh, my three sisters, and then my fiance, and then my son as well. Right on. So. Thanks for all being here. Appreciate yep. you all. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Some social media Q&A now. Uh, this question coming in for the coach from at B Royal Blue Coo Kalani. How do you and the rest of the coaching staff determine the right time to play the clock game when you've got a late lead? Yeah, I think um, usually it's called four minute offense for a reason. So that's usually when you want to do it. But I think um, you kind of get a feel for whether your defense or your offense is playing better. And then you can kind of gauge it from there. I think. Um, it's, it's, always a, it's always a guessing game sometimes, and, and you can't predict everything. For me, if, if you just did what you did, if, if you're asking about the end of the game or the second half, I would have been fine if we did what we did in the first half. So um, if that answers the question. By the I, way, I like being aggressive. I like more points on the board, and I like more turnover. So if we can just keep doing that for an entire game, I'll be happy. But that said, you went four-minute mode at the end of the game. You actually had the ball for five and a half minutes and yeah. gave him the ball with 30 seconds left. The game was over at that point. You did and your we, job. We've done that before where yeah. the game was maybe a two-score lead, and then we, we run off eight, nine minutes and score at the end and, and, and win it. Or we like to end the game in victory. I know A-Rod and the offense would like to end it in victory, but we, I think we punted the ball with 30 seconds right. left, and that, uh, not enough time for them to win the game. So I think the offense did their job. Um, it was good to see Aiden on the field running again, but... Um, yeah, we can all, we, we'd like to end it in victory. That's how we want right. to end it. Uh, question for Jackson. Jackson, what's your go-to hype-up song on game day? Do you have one? Uh, I like uh, Family Ties by uh, Kendrick Lamar. Okay. a good one. Is that a regular for you then? It changes every year. Okay. I, I get sick of songs quick, <laughs> but that's what I've been listening to this year. Are you one of those guys that will uh, take headphones onto the field in pregame? Uh, no, nah, okay. just in the locker room. Okay, some guys like to do that. They like to be on, have yeah. something on the field with them, don't they? I get too sweaty, man. Okay. Gonna, they might break. <laughs> As we take another break, here's this week's trivia question for you all, courtesy of Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. Our question tonight as we head to break is, what is BYU's all-time football record against the departing Big 12 schools, Texas and Oklahoma? What's BYU's record against those two schools? The answer coming up next BYU football. Here's tonight's trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. The question is, what is BYU's all-time football record against departing Big 12 schools, Texas and Oklahoma? Kalani had this during the break. Six and one against those two. Four and one versus UT, two and zero versus OU. It's BYU in Texas for the sixth time coming up this weekend in Austin. Let's look ahead to Saturday's broadcast schedule for you for BYU in Texas. Two hours before the game, 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Mountain, BYU Sports Nation game day on BYU TV, and Cougar pregame live with Hans and Jason and Mitch and me on BYU Radio. 
And the game itself can be seen on ABC, yes, across, uh, across the country on the big network at 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain. Hear it on BYU Radio and then turn to BYU TV and stay with us on BYU Radio for all of our post-game coverage following the broadcast. It is time for tonight's uniform reveal. And here to show us all what the Cougars will be wearing Saturday afternoon in Austin is our Sitake show player-in-waiting, let's call him Travis Hodson. Travis, come on in. And I think I think this is a new look for BYU. I don't think it's ever been worn. That is navy helmet, uh, white face mask with the navy uh, pants and the white with navy accents. I thought this had been worn before, but they told me it's new. Yeah, Jackson's going to look really good in that outfit. Yeah. yeah. Just I like change, it. change the 90 to a 91 and we're good to go. Yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll complement what's going on in the field with what Texas is doing too. I know they got the white helmets, the orange, and I think the white pants. So. Okay. Be good. Last time BYU was down there, it was definitely the jerseys and the pants combo was that. BYU wore a white helmet that day, but uh, I like the Navy look. It's a good look. It's a good look. Travis, nicely done. Thank you. Good to see you as always. Okay. Very professional, Travis. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In the final minute we have, we'll get each of your thoughts on, uh, on, on the big stage, if you will. It's ABC. It's, it's a primetime afternoon game at UT Kalani. Yeah, we're really excited about the game. Uh, we, we've adjusted a lot of things in our schedule, and, and, and I think we'll be ready. Uh, I, I know... Um, that time slot is really good for us, and I, these guys are really excited. They had great, great practice today, and I uh, can't wait to see this guy play. Jackson, you pumped up for this one? Yes, sir. Uh, couldn't ask for a better opportunity than this. Uh, go down, uh, play the number what are they, seven team in yeah. the nation. Uh, playing at Texas, that's a stage we all want to be on, and uh, we'll, we're definitely going to go down there with the chip on our shoulder and uh, try to make a statement. So Look forward to seeing you and the boys out there. Good luck to you. Thank you. Kalani, great to see you as always. Go Cougs. All right, for Kalani and Jackson and Travis and producer Brett and producer Hannah, thank you folks for being here. Have a great week. Go Cougs.